Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Uh, great. Just great. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Uh, we're playing the garage the other day and uh, uh, Anna found this old Oilers hat. So I promised her I would wear it uh, if and when <coughs> Oilers won the Battle of Alberta on the podcast. So here we are on the podcast. The Oilers having won the Battle of Alberta. So you're darn right I'm going to wear it. Bruce, we've been doing this podcast <laughs> for six years. We've been doing the cult of hockey together for since 2010, I think you joined the cult yes. of hockey. I yes. started the cult of hockey in 2007, right. which was at the very beginning of the decade of darkness. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's been many times when I would hope, when I hoped we would have a night like this. It's been a long time coming, but it is here, and it feels great. It feels fantastic. It that does. that was just that was the best. And it's not stopping, Bruce. They're going to win the cup. The Oilers are going to win the cup. And I predicted at the start of this series, although I had a day of catastrophizing after Dry Settle looked so hurt after the first game. Mm-hmm. I predicted, my headline was prediction the Oilers will ride Supernova McDavid and beat the Flames. And it wasn't as simple as that. There were some other guys that really co- contributed. Leon Dry Settle, first and foremost, mm-hmm. amongst them. That prediction came true against, like most most people were predicting. The Flames would win this series. All the NHL guys were pretty close. All about but... a 12 experts before the series that were surveyed all picked the Brent Flames, every one of them. You know, great players, when they come into their own, like McDavid mm-hmm. did against the Kings, mm-hmm. you can't stop that. You can't stop it. And mm-hmm. McDavid couldn't be stopped. So there we go. All right, Bruce, let's do our... Go ahead, you got something? And when he could, the Oilers couldn't be. Like... Yeah. Anyway, we're going to talk about McDavid more in a minute, but uh, uh, had a little bit more on the supporting cast department, and uh, uh, those guys came through in spades for uh, for Edmonton. Yep. All righty, still got a bit of a cold here. Um, Bruce. We'll do, um, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast, but because it's the biggest Oilers win since 1990, maybe. <laughs> there were some big wins in 2006, so. Yes. This is bigger. And um, <clears throat> we're going to do uh, three good things each, no bad things, and a number. So why don't you start it off? What's, I'll start it off, because my, good, right, things, go my, my good thing is the winning goal. Okay. And, um, you know, and McDavid in his postgame interview said he was he was playing bad and the other guys carried him. And, mm-hmm. But what a goal. And it brought to mind, Bruce, the goal that Sidney Crosby scored to win the Olympics in 2010 in Vancouver. Iggy. Because it's a play off the boards, a quick play mm-hmm. off the boards from from dry sidle. Mm-hmm. McDavid kind of go, the puck shot and McDavid goes four checks. It's kind of a not a heavy four check, but enough that the flame guy for, just throws it up the boards quickly. They're all nervous, and uh, Drysaddle wins the battle on the boards and makes, you know, not for the first time that night, he makes just a brilliant pass uh, into McDavid into the slot. Mm-hmm. And as soon as he gets it almost, 
McDavid doesn't wait. He doesn't do a whole lot. He just fires that puck and it's right off the post and in the net. Initially, I was thinking, how could that go in? Because it was, you know, it was a little bit of a high slaughter. It wasn't mm-hmm. really in tight. But it was the, I think it was the quickness of getting that shot, just like Sidney Crosby in 2010. Yes. Shoot it fast before the mm-hmm. goalie's ready. Bam off the post. And you score a goal and you win the game. And his, then his tremendous uh, pumping fist celebration, which is so good to see. Two series in a row. He mm-hmm. must be so, <coughs> so happy right now. So stoked. Yeah, well, I'm sure it seemed so in the post game. Yeah. McDavid scores. One of the faithful yeah. for the faithful. Yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, he was he who made the play originally that caused the turnover. I thought he, he checked the guy's stick. Maybe he did, yeah. the weak pass to go up the boards. And then Leon did the puck protect thing where he drew the forechecker in on the backhand side. And then he spun around to the to the forehand and fed it right back to McDavid, who'd, uh, who'd uh, come back into the slot. And he had just enough room for sort of one step and then the perfect shot. I mean, that hit the post and went right across the goal line. I, it just caught inside the other post, I think. Well, you know, it was like he couldn't have caught any more post and had it all still go in. And he just put it in the, in the perfect spot. Under Jacob Markstrom's glove was the perfect spot in this series. And the Oilers took advantage of that hole on a number of occasions, including yeah. a series-winning goal. Glove hand, glove hand. That was, uh, hmm. yeah, Markstrom was not, he made some good saves tonight. I mean, the Oilers, the grade A shots, um, by our count, we had uh, Edmonton with um, 20 grade A shots and 11 <coughs> subset of, so grade A shot has a 20% plus chance of going in. And, um, you know, it's a pretty, Pretty exclusive category, the grade A shot, you know. Mm-hmm. Some guy could be coming down the wing and get a really hard shot from the dot. That's yeah. not that's not a grade A shot because that's right. got about a 15% chance of going in. It's a, that's a really good grade B shot. But grade A mm-hmm. shots, you, it's, it's these are good hard shots on net. And you're going to score 20% plus of the time on average, about 25% of the time. There's a subset of 11 five alarm shots and they go in 33% chance plus. And the Flames numbers, orders were 20 and 11. The Flames were 12 and 7 in the same two categories. So the orders were the better team tonight. They were, pretty, they were pretty dominant, mm-hmm. um, actually. They deserved to win this game, no doubt about it. Bruce, uh, what is your good thing? Yeah, I got to go with uh, with McDavid's faithful sidekick there, Leon Dreisaitl. I thought he had a fantastic game and series. Uh, it got better and better. Tonight was, I think, the best that he skated. Uh, I liked his two-way game. I didn't think he was giving up much, if anything, at the defensive end. He was cutting out passes, turning defense to offense. And he wasn't shooting much. And I'm not sure what what his issue is. He didn't take that many face-offs either. Uh, and he didn't win that many, just three to nine. Um, although he did win a key one on a penalty kill when no one else could win one. Uh, and... Uh, uh, just two shots on net, both hard drives set up by McDavid. But it was Leon who was doing the setting up in this game, passing, 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 passing. He must have made 30 good passes in this game. And probably 12 of them were to McDavid. And he just has this innate sense of knowing exactly where Connor's going to be. And the puck comes to him and bang, he just one, one touches it. Sometimes it's a hard pass off the wall and he finds McDavid at the far blue line. Other times it's a 
outlet pass where he's the winger on the boards and he makes the six footer and it catches him in full flight leaving the zone and anytime you get it to McDavid in full flight it's a good day you know and, and uh, uh, he just had the the uh, uh, the full like how many good backhand passes they were raving about it on the on the uh, uh, on the uh, broadcast four or five absolutely sweet backhand passes and they didn't all result in goals but you know what four of them did he had four more assists in this game Leon has uh, uh, just been on a phenomenal playmaking role throughout the series and uh, 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 with uh, four apples including the first assist on the uh, game winner uh, which uh, uh, this was the first time the Oilers won an overtime game in their last uh, seven tries the last time they actually won a game it was david deharnay also accepting a pass from leon off the right wing boards and burying a shot off the uh uh, uh just in off the left post and it was uh uh anyway a little bit in common with that one but uh, uh I, I just thought the uh the big german just raised his game to another level and he owns owns the calgary flames and i love it <laughs> yeah, I love it too. First, that first, in some ways, the first pass, first pass was the deepest. Uh, the first pass was the best because it, like, they're down two nothing, right? And I'm, right. I was starting to think, oh, Jesus, just not their night. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but he made it. I call it the low high pass. Mm-hmm. And um, it is one of the most dangerous plays in hockey because the goalie's way back in his net because mm-hmm. he's got to be when when the forward's low below the goal line with the puck. Who knows what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. So he just made an absolutely wonderful backhand low high to Nurse, who just went new. He just harpooned it in, like right off the right off the pass. Great shot, too. Great, great pass, great shot by Nurse, mm-hmm. and um, and then it's uh, then it's uh, two to one, and the orders are right back in it. You know, right back in it. You know, his his on the power play, the the, the third goal the orders got his pass to Nugent Hopkins was also really strong. It was kind of back against. It was a kind of a back pass and just right on the money and and huge mm-hmm. uh, pump <coughs> put it on net. Um, kind of bounced to Hyman, eh? And he was able to ch- chisel it over the line. Yeah, and he set up Bouchard with a nice pass too. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, and you got the great playmakers. I mean, he had the only one that was a second assist was uh, was the Hyman goal, and there he actually passed it to Nugent Hopkins, who shot. So yeah. He set up the shooter in each of the four goals, but this one involved an extra player for the finish. And otherwise, he passed, and somebody else shot it in, including the tying goal by Evan Bouchard and the winner by uh, by McDavid, of course. That, uh, uh, he was uh, uh, teed up both guys in good shooting spots. Okay, my uh, second good thing, Bruce, was the call. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, initially I was thinking, how the hell did they call that goal back? I was mm-hmm. just, I was looking at it again, and, I, and when, it, when it went in, I just thought, well, that's a goal. Like, that looks like, how many goals have they scored like that where they barrel at the net and they, you didn't, didn't LA score someone, they just barrel at the net and they put mm-hmm. it in. And here's another one, you know, the other team just jams it in the net any way you can, and that's a goal. Mm-hmm. I'm watching it and I'm watching it and then it's called back and I, it's not a goal. And I'm still thinking like, what the heck, what the hell? How was that? How was that? Um, not a goal. 
And then there was finally the one replay where it is patently clear that it, this this play looks exactly like Lionel Messi sticking out his foot to tap in the soccer ball over the line. It's a clear kicking motion. He gave it the old Cristiano Ronaldo, the old Wayne Rooney. He he direct he kicked the puck in the net. The there is no foot. doubt about it. He side footed it in. Mm-hmm. That's a kicking motion. That is not a goal. That was the correct call. And I I give credit to uh, Kevin Bieksa. And it's is it Jennifer Botterill? Jennifer Botterill nailed it. She's outstanding, so, actually. So yeah, I like her. And so too did Ron McLean when he compared it to the kick save that uh, Markstrom made off of Evander Kane, where he kind of had to do the extra little bit to reach his foot back yes. to just get a little tiny piece of it. And that's all Coleman did. Like the argument, I guess, is that it wasn't a distinct kicking motion. It was a subtle kicking motion. It was a kicking motion, though. I agree. And I think that uh, uh, I, I saw it right away and I thought there's no way he just found that just directly off his skate. He thrust his skate forward and uh, smart. And he almost got away with it. But uh, too bad he didn't. <laughs> too bad. For once, a call like that goes for the Oilers. Like a big, mm-hmm. huge call and a big game goes for the Oilers. That's pretty rare. And mm-hmm. you know the best thing about it, Bruce, like from a, I guess, a Schadenfreude point of view, is that puck was going in the net. I'm pretty sure. I think if it would have made it done in. anything. It probably would have dribbled in. Yeah, would have. And the only reason that wasn't the, you know, possibly the winning goal, is because he decided <laughs> to kick it in, and. Uh, <laughs> Oh, oh boy, that was very sweet, Bruce. <coughs> Back and shot it so right bad. through Smith. Got it under his arm, and he got Smith got a piece of it, but it was looked like it was going to dribble in, and then it was in, and then as soon as I saw the first replay, I thought, "Geez, I wonder if they're going to challenge that." And it turned out, I think it was just a league call. Nobody challenged anything. It's just the league wanted to get it right, and ultimately, I agree with you. They did. Gutsy call by the NHL, and I, I was yes. mainly mad at Smith and Nurse on the play. Like I'm thinking, come on, Darnell, like, yeah, that wasn't. Don't let him do that. Don't let him get that shot. And then Smith, come on, make the save. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it was a great A shot, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. more like a twenty percenter yeah. than a than a twenty five. Like he, he I kind of shoveled it at him, and it went through. Yeah, make the save, and and it wasn't Smith's best game of the series. Put it that way. And um, so uh-huh. I was a little frustrated with him at that moment, and. I'm reviewing the play to figure out who made mistakes on it. Mm-hmm. And then when I go back to the TV, back to the TV and I see, oh, they're, they're reviewing it. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But you said you saw it right away. On the first replay, yeah. When the first one in, I saw Smith and at least one other oiler kind of raise their hand and say, hey, and just sort of draw their attention to it. And yeah. uh, so they they saw the same subtle kicking motion that I saw, I guess. <laughs> Subtly distinct. <laughs> the old Carl Heinz Rumenegger, Bruce. There you go. Just anytime it comes up in the future, just say that yeah. to a Flames fan. Yeah, he gave it the old and then insert a soccer name there, you know. Uh-huh. He Robert, gave it Robert, the old Robert Lewandowski. Yeah, he gave it the yeah. old Robert Robert Gold Lewandowski. Poacher hanging around, just a little touch and it's in the net, you know. And yeah. in soccer you're allowed to do that. The old Harry Kane. <laughs> They will hate it. They will hate it. But it will shut him up. Because he did. He did. It was it because it was that kind of great little soccer move, right? Like where you just open your foot up and and uh, give it the old tap in with your with your boot. And uh, 
it was a it was a very good play by Coleman. Just uh, kind of screwed his team out of a goal. So even better. Mm. Um, <laughs> Bruce, what is your second good thing? Um, my second good thing. I'm going to go with um, Zach Hyman. I thought he had a wonderful game tonight, and uh, I, I thought he was really good right from the get go in the first period. And I thought it was a gutsy but probably right move by um, uh, Jay Woodcroft to promote him to the line, to the big line with McDavid and uh, Drysell. For one thing, McDavid, I think, was struggling a little bit tonight. Uh, and for uh, it just brought all their sort of top um, players on the night um, Together, McDavid got max support with Leon playing out of his mind on one side, Hyman playing out of his mind on the other. And Evander Kane, uh, who, to his credit, came on a little bit later in the game. He was really struggling, too. After the second period, he had 10 shot attempts, and one of them was on net. So he kind of got pushed uh, down to the Nugent Hopkins line with Yamamoto, and they held their own. And uh, in the meantime, uh, uh, Hyman, uh, he just... Kept getting the job done, but he did it. Uh, he earned a uh, primary assist uh, or secondary assist on the uh, nurse goal, a uh, bit of a cheap one. Uh, Well-deserved primary on the second order's goal, and then he scored the third one himself on the power play. And he wound up the night with a very nice stat line of one goal, two assists, three points, plus four. In 23 minutes and 38 seconds, he saw a lot of ice time. And he was just all over the puck, David, and and, uh, and just time and again, it seemed like he was surging in into the flame zone with the puck and 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 driving it to the net. And you know, he had seven shots on net tonight, four hits, including I thought it was the hit of the night when uh, Elias Lindholm thought he had Hyman lined up in the middle of the ice, and Hyman saw him coming, and I think uh, Lindholm got the worst of it. It was a wicked collision. They basically both hit each other. And uh, Hyman uh, Hyman came out on top, I think literally and figuratively on that one. And I just, I loved his determination and drive in this game, Zach Hyman, and he had r- real top-notch results to go with it. Yeah, eat your heart out, Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, <clears throat> he's he has yeah. become an amazing player for the Oilers. So uh, so dogged, you know. He he brings like he's got a high level of skill, but he brings to mind like like all other dogged Oilers in the past, like mm-hmm. Stan Weir and uh, mm-hmm. Brett Callaghan and Craig McTavish. But um, and there's Ryan Smith. Yeah, uh, these yeah. guys. Yeah, those, those, those are pretty good comparables. Just, just the guys who just go for grind, it. Grind, 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 but they can also do something with the puck at the end of the play. Smith's probably the best comparable, uh, but he, Hyman's a bit better at the puck protect than Smith. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, he's just such a such a dogged player. You know, it's funny, Bruce. We said McDavid had kind of a – McDavid said he had a bad game. Well, um, before, before the uh, winning goal, he was in on nine grade-A shots. <laughs> He made yeah. 10, 10 major contributions to grade A shots this game. He didn't have a bad game before. He was in all, he was in the middle of all kinds of plays. But as a like in in the earlier on, it was kind of Leon who was involved in plays, but not the driver. Mm-hmm. So it was reversed. It was Leon that was the driver, and McDavid was kind of in on the play. 
How many plays was Leon in on this game? <coughs> right, give me one second here, and I will, I will tell you that, Bruce. Quite a few. He was in on twelve grade A shots for the Oilers. Twelve grade A shots, wow. which is a remarkable total, right? Like that's phenomenal. It's more than uh, you know. I think on average, McDavid um, this season was about six and six per game, and Drysaddle was five point five. So twelve is more than double his average mm-hmm. for <clears throat> his best games of the year. <clears throat> I, I'm going to say Leon's at ninety. He's getting into the ninety percent back to his former self. He was making some spin moves with the puck that he had been unable to move early, make earlier in the series, and including in the last game. Like I, I noticed, like you know, that's his bread and butter is spinning on the boards with the puck, and he was able to do that tonight, fairly freely, for the yeah. first time. I yeah, think he he's not 100 percent yet, but mm-hmm. with these extra days off, Bruce, yeah. and this is huge. The Oilers, the Oilers won, and Colorado lost against St. Louis yeah. last night. That is that was magic because um you know days rest in the playoffs right now mm-hmm. is huge for the Edmonton Oilers because I it, if it's going to be the Avs against mm-hmm. the Oilers mm-hmm. two fantastic hockey teams that are very mm-hmm. equal yeah. <coughs> but the team that has the better health and the more rest I right. think has an advantage well it'll be the Oilers with the more rest and if it, if that series happens to go seven if uh, St Louis can hold court at home um, uh, then They'll have to go to, even if Colorado wins game seven, it'll be a fairly well-rested Edmonton team that they'll be facing, and they'll probably have a quick turnaround. If they go seven, they'll probably have one day off and have to go right back at it. Either way, the Oilers have uh, a few players that could probably use a few days breather, and uh, it's especially important that since they won seven games in the first round, uh that you don't want to sort of have another long, long series, and you know eventually that's going to catch up with you. And so finishing off the Flames, gotta love it, in five, is uh, uh, almost the best possible outcome. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Now this wasn't like a battle of Alberta; like it was like a huge physical contest. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they, you know. The previous battles of Alberta in the 80s, 80s hockey was just full of fights. 91 was brutal. Often. The physical, and, and 91 was just 91. hitting, hitting, hitting. This this one was more um, skill. It was the Oilers' skill. like Kind of mm-hmm. like, what was it, 87 or 88? What was it where Gretzky scored that one? Was that 88? Uh, that was 88, game two in uh, Saddledome. This was more like that, where the, where the skill of the Oilers really took over dominated the series and the flames couldn't match it. I mean, the flames top line looked dangerous, but they were nowhere near as dangerous mm-hmm. as the Oilers top line. I mean, it's not even close. It was an order of magnitude in difference in terms of how lethal they were in terms of scoring goals. So, um, all right. My next good thing, Bruce is Duncan Keith. Mm-hmm. So the, the Edmonton Oilers will officially give up, I think a second round draft pick now. Nope. Not yet. They, oh, have to, no, they have to get to the finals for that to kick in. Oh, okay, good. So good. They have to win three playoff rounds. Well, they're going to give up a second. That's fine. <laughs> I, I'm hoping they do. Yeah, me too. Anyway, <laughs> controversial trade. I've yeah. always contended you cannot judge this trade. I said mm-hmm. it right from the day I think the trade was made. Oh. You can't judge this trade mm-hmm. until you see how the season plays out. And I'm gonna I'm gonna call the trade a win at this point. Okay. A win for the Oilers. In every way, including the contract price, the 
the um, the amount they paid for him because the whole idea of bringing in Duncan Keith was to have an experienced defenseman who can help you lead you through the playoffs and mm-hmm. come when he's needed. Duncan Keith did that. He's he hasn't been a perfect player in the playoffs. He's had wasn't a perfect player this game. He was part of the sequence of pain on the first goal against, <clears throat> where um, Bouchard turns it over behind the net. McDavid is puck watching in front of the net and doesn't see the he gets tricked by the clever pass of you know look off pass of the Calgary Flames player and doesn't cover his man and Keith's stuck in the corner because he was expecting Bouchard to win it and relay it to him so he was not quick enough to the front of the net so not a perfect game tonight mm-hmm. and there was a few other mistakes as well but Bruce he commanded the game I thought when he had the puck on his stick he was mm-hmm. he was directing traffic he was making good good plays lots of uh, defensive battles won um <coughs> excuse me where he was um flashing that stick i mean yes. he saved the goal against um mm-hmm. where it was when the puck went over the net and then came quickly out front that mm-hmm. that shot that went quickly out front the second, shot. The stick, yeah. second shot that was going in and he stopped it so mm-hmm. um uh he played what did duncan keith play tonight uh 25-17, which is the most of any Oilers defenseman. So they counted on Duncan Keith more than any other Oilers defenseman, including at even strength. <coughs> he's carried, I think he's helped Evan Bouchard a lot in terms of settling down, playing calm hockey, smart hockey. They're both doing it. They're both playing great. Bouchard scored a great goal. So... Um, the trade was a win. Duncan Keith is helping the Edmonton Oilers in the playoffs, which is exactly what they needed from him, and he's doing it. So by that criteria, I'm good with it, and I'm, I'm good with the player. I hope he can keep it up for two more rounds. Well, he's, he's, uh, his play's been all right for sure, and he, he had some good uh, de- defensive uh, uh, deflections of dangerous pucks tonight. And uh, uh, some good outlet passes, some good uh, in zone. His stick—he's so quick with the stick. Eh? That's the one thing that that stands out to me about him. Is the puck will come to him, and he'll just make a quick thrust, and he—he never whiffs on it. And he usually, uh, you know, will just chip or, ch- or uh, um, just uh, you know thrust it along in a, in a good direction. You know, either out of the zone or into the corner or you know he usually gets a gets a gets a big chunk of the puck and he gets it early like he he makes early it doesn't take him a lot of time to make a decision and if it's a puck battle he gets that stick in there quick and so uh, for a guy of his age he's still got that kind of quickness with his hands which which is good uh I'm, I'm probably never going to be totally happy that they paid the full contract on <laughs> yeah, him. I think, that, I think that was a misread of the market by Holland. Yeah. And even if the player was a good acquisition, I, I just think that it was an overpay. But uh, uh, I'm uh, accepting that he's you know played an important role on the team. And I think he's played an important role uh, in the development of one Evan Bouchard that may yeah. pay dividends for years to come. Yeah. I just think in the playoffs, listen, Ken Holland was on to something, I think, with the idea that you have to have more experienced players. And the, the, the whole Greybeard concept, which has been marked by, mocked by some people, probably mocked by us both, me, you, at some point during the year, um, 
I just think it's it's the right idea. It's it's proven out to be the right idea. It's it's given this team, taken this team um, one step further than than they've gone before. They they've showed remarkable resilience, Bruce, including in this game coming back, last game coming back after Smith's horrible goal against. <clears throat> it's not like these players are perfect players. They're not. But they do. I do think there is something about this team which is markedly different than any other team in the McDavid era. Is their their resilience, their bounce back? You can't like they get down one or two goals, they're not out, and you just get that sense this team can come back. They they did it all year. <laughs> they had to, mm-hmm. um, and um, they, and they so they have these veterans, and that includes that now includes Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Darnell Nurse. Like they're <laughs> These are veteran players, you know, grizzled veteran players by NHL standards. And, um, you know, but it's also Duncan Keith and Cody Cece and Derek Ryan and Zach Hyman and Evander Kane. And, um, oh, I just wanted to add one thing about your point about the, the lineup change that Woodcroft made. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, Kane, I thought, was out of, there was a screw up. And I don't know who screwed it up between Drysaddle and Kane on the first goal against. Mm-hmm. They were both on the same side of the ice, both wingers. Yeah. And Drysaddle um, looks at Drysaddle was kind of with Mangiapane, but he, it's not really his man. It's McDavid's oh, man. Yes. McDavid's covering the slot. But Drysaddle realizes, oh, we're both here. Someone's got to go to the other side, and so he charges over there. But I think it was Kane who was supposed. Drysaddle was first. At least Drysaddle was first back on that wing. Mm-hmm. Kane's got to read that. And get to the other side of the ice and be there. So that mm-hmm. was this was part of the confusion that happened on that first goal against to some extent. I don't know if it had any impact on the goal against, and we didn't. It didn't have a major impact on the goal against. But Kane was a little bit off this game. Yes, and, I agree. You know, he had a baby. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Had a baby, I, I should say. Um, just I said, his girlfriend I said had a baby. To Anna, halfway through the game. I said, Evander Kane looks like a guy who has has uh, hasn't slept for two nights, and. Yeah. Uh, it's probably pretty close to accurate. Yeah. You know, so his girlfriend had a baby. I don't know where she is. Is she in Vancouver or California? I don't know where she is. <sighs> yeah, I'm not entirely sure, to tell you the truth. Uh, probably Vancouver, I think, is his kind of his home territory. But yeah. um, that's that's where he went when that great big controversy broke out, where the Sharks wound up uh, ending his contract, was because he came home to Vancouver without the proper papers. Um so anyway, I'm I'm guessing she's there, but I'm I'm. It's not much of a guess to, to suggest that Evander Kane's had a pretty hectic last uh, 48. Uh, uh, let's call it 52 hours, so we can include uh, Game Four, where he scored two goals, and Game Five, and all the time in between was surely not normal for him. Yeah. So anyway, he I, on that first goal there was a bit of a mix-up there. I don't anyway. Um, Bruce, we're we are now at your third good thing all right uh yeah i'm going to go with the uh bison king uh yes the pool uh i wore the bison king shirt that uh, my wife got for me some months ago tonight i'm not big on the artist paraphernalia normally but uh i i put it on today and i said you know he hasn't scored for so long I, you know he needs he needs some kind of a boost here i'm going to put on the shirt maybe he'll score and when you know it he scored uh, but more than scoring, I thought he had a, a very strong game, and uh, certainly he had uh, quite dominant uh, 
possession and shot time. The Oilers outshot the Kings or the Flames eight to two while he was on the ice. I thought he played physical. I thought he skated well. He had one good chance on a give and go play with Hyman where he walked in alone, tried to deke, um, tried to deke um, Markstrom, but got turned aside. And then uh, a few minutes later, it was he driving to the net who cleaned up the greasy rebound of Hyman's shot and and tapped it into the open net to tie the game at 2-2. And he actually got uh, a fair bit of ice time in the regular rotation, uh, played... Uh, uh, 10:38 tonight. Not, you know, not huge amount, but not single digits, which is what we've likely seen most of from him lately. And three shots on net, one nice big hit, uh, blocked a shot. And I just thought he had a real strong look. Look more like himself than we've seen for a while, frankly. I think he too is coming around from uh, some sort of physical issue and uh, starting to get better. I thought he got better by the game right throughout the series, and this was his best game of the five. Yeah, he he did look better tonight, Bruce, although I have to say I was, I, I'm pretty patient with Pulley because I'm a Pulley fan. You know, there, there was a lot of smack talk against Pulley oh. There has been for some time, and, mm-hmm. and I was on Oilers Now, and, and it came up with uh, Bob, and, you know, I, I it was about a month ago, I think. And I just said, I defended him. I said, I think he's a top six forward. I heard but he, you. But he, he, has, he hasn't been in the playoffs. Like, honestly, he hasn't been a top six forward. He's been playing like, um, he's been struggling to make an impact in games. Yeah, he hasn't and, been a threat to score, for sure. Yeah, and, he, and he, he hasn't been winning battles physically. Like, he hasn't been able to push people off pucks or pop pucks as much mm-hmm. as he usually does. And I'm like, so the orders were down two to nothing when he got his break in. Kulak mm-hmm. pushed up, and I think it was Fogel who put it over to, to um, Pugliarvi, if I'm not mistaken. Not Hyman, I think, on that oh, play. Oh, yes, anyway. no, you're right. Yeah, so so Pugliarvi right? went in, and he didn't score, and I was, and I was mad. I just thinking, come on, man. You, you just never him. score. You gotta never score. Him. Like, score. Because yeah. they were down 2 nothing, and I thought yeah. this was this was their best chance, probably, yeah. up until that point of the game. Right. And I said, you got to score. Like, we need a goal, and you didn't score. So mm-hmm. I was, and then of course, you know, they, they get the goal where, you know, nurse scores, but, and then he gets the next one. And I was so happy for him because even his longtime kind of supporter, such as me was kind of getting really frustrated with him. So good for him. Way to, way to go. Yes. That, that was a huge goal. A few minutes. Huge goal. Bruce, what is your number? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to bypass bad things altogether in a uh, battle of Alberta win. I mean, what's bad? Um, and there were a couple of iffy things that I'll have to bring up in the player grades. Uh, but um, there was uh, uh, my number. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to avoid the temptation to say five to one, which is now the official score in all time battles of Alberta. And I think it's the score of some other thing that some people bring up from time to time. But all time battles of Alberta. It's now Edmonton five series wins. Calgary one. Good avoidance, uh, Bruce. I pull marks for that avoidance. You'd never want to bring up the fact that the Oilers have won five cups and the Flames have only won well, one. That's and that it's five. One. Oh, you, you want to? You don't want to mention that. Or this is five-one in Battle of Alberta. It's like, well, it's not good. It's well, not. It's yeah, not good for the yeah, problem. That's not. That's not my number. Okay. And I'm. I'm not even going to mention directly. Uh, I believe the four all-time Stanley Cup records that were set in this series. I mean, every game but one, I think, featured uh, a new all-time Stanley Cup record, uh, some feat that had never been accomplished before. And uh, uh, 
on the team front, there was uh, there was uh, fast goals. Calgary got two quick ones in game one, and tonight they set the record for four goals by both teams in 71 seconds. It was just boom, 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 boom. Uh, but I'm going to go with 17 is my number, which is the number of points scored by Leon Dreisaitl in this series. Uh, and I will make a bleak reference to his the all-time record that he did set, which is uh, uh, five and counting, three-plus-point games in a row. Until this series, nobody had ever had more than three in a row, three-point games. Uh, people like Wayne Gretzky had done it. Um, Mary Lemieux had only ever had two two such games in a row in his entire career, the great Mary Lemieux. And yet, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, in five out of five games in this series, three points, three points, four points, three points, four points. 17 points in a five-game series. And that leaves him... Uh, just slightly short of the uh, record for most points in the series, which remains in the hands of the uh, uh, nifty Rick Middleton of the Boston Bruins, who in a seven-game series against Buffalo Sabres in 82-83 uh, had 19 points. And hot on his heels is Wayne Gretzky of Edmonton Oilers, of course, who against Chicago in a six-game series had 18 and in third place is the aforementioned Mario Lemieux, who had 17 points in a six-game series against uh, Washington in 92. Well, now you can tie with Mario, Leon, who had 17 points in a five-game series. And you know what? You look at this list, and uh, almost every series listed on it of guys that had you know 14 or more points, they all played six or seven games. And only Gretzky... Uh, he had 15 points in a five-game series against L.A. and uh, 14 in a five-game series against Calgary. Well, Leon has gone above even what the what the uh, uh, unsurpassable one, uh, Wayne Gretzky, was able to do at his absolute peak. 17 points. And this was playing at less than 100%. It's unbelievable, David. And, it really is. And... Along the way, he got multiple assists in every game, so five in a row games with uh, multiple assists. I'm not sure if that's a record, but it wouldn't shock me if it's really close to one. Uh, and uh, he had uh, um, just the two goals. He scored in games one and two, and then he just went on this assist binge. He had two assists in each of those games, and then four assists all in the second period in game three. And New NHL record, broke a 92-year-old record. Three assists in game four, and then another four uh, tonight to cap off the series. And just, uh, he wasn't shooting much, and I'm not sure what's going on there. Like, he only had two shots tonight. He only had one last game, a pass, 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 as we mentioned earlier. And those passes were uh, were producing results. I mean, Oilers scored 25 goals in the series, and... Uh, uh, Leon had, was in on 68% of those goals. I mean, just phenomenal. So that's uh, that's the number I'm going to pick out of the smorgasbord of available numbers from uh, from this series. I think it's the injury that's stopping him from shooting much, Bruce. I, he, he's um <clears throat> he was having trouble connecting on the puck period mm-hmm. initially, yep. and then finally he got off his patented trademark executioner shot last game but he's just having a little bit of trouble um firing that puck still i think it's just the torquing motion must be hard on his uh on his ankle but that ankle's getting better man it's such great news because 
the orders would not have won this series if Leon hadn't trended up in terms of his health. Oh, that's for sure. I don't think. And um, he did, though. He did. And hopefully Nurse can do the same. Mm-hmm. Um, although it seems like a m- little bit of a different issue. It might not get better. Like, who knows I'm hearing what it is. Core body injury that's going like to a groin? surgery. Uh, possibly a hernia. Oh. It's going to need surgery after the season. But, I mean, when you hear stuff, I mean, who knows? Sometimes there's a whiff of truth to it. And sometimes it's somebody else who's speculating just like we are what they think they're diagnosing but um uh, i heard from one pretty good source that he's probably going to need some surgery after the season and so whatever that is it's not going to go away before then wasn't it saravalli who said that i mean i think uh yeah yes it was frank saravalli and that's a very very reliable source indeed and so I thought Darnell got a little better as the series went along. Sure, nice to see him slam home that shot from the high slot tonight. And um, uh, But he and uh, Leon both, who basically missed all the practices for the Oilers throughout the series, uh, will both benefit from what should be, what, at least three days off now? Maybe four? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see Leon start to practice again, which would probably be... <laughs> well, he doesn't seem to need it, so I'll just shut up. Uh yeah, no kidding. Bruce, my number is, is related to Drysaddle and uh, McDavid. They're now t- Drysaddle is now tied with McDavid. <laughs> so as McDavid has gone supernova, like it's like it's, it's like a it's like a solar system with two suns, Bruce. Those exist, do they not? Mm-hmm. And both of them, I don't know if this has ever happened, but both have gone supernova at the same time. And um, I don't know if that's ever happened. You might you might have an idea about that as in your. Wouldn't if one sun went supernova might engulf the other sun and destroy it? Or the shockwave sometimes makes stuff happen at, at nearby stars. So there's there, there is sometimes a, a chain reaction. But these guys right, are well, kind of going off together, aren't they? And they're tied for the lead of playoff scoring now. Leon's come from behind and tied them. They're both at 26, and, and they both have seven goals and 19 assists in wow. uh, 12 games. So uh, that's amazing for Leon to be injured and and to tie McDavid, who's just playing at a le- like a level he's never played before. Um, if, Leon, if Leon gets any more healthy, like look out. And and I do, Bruce. I do think they're going to go. I do think they're going to win the Stanley Cup. I you know I think I've been fairly consistent saying they can get to the Stanley Cup playoffs. I've had a few moments where I've questioned that during the season. Mm-hmm. But I think I've been fairly consistent thinking they can get to the Stanley Cup Finals. And I certainly question that with the goaltending. Like, that started to get me down. Like, it did everybody else. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> they're on that path. You get these superstar players um, who are that much better than everybody else. And they can do magical things in the playoffs. They can take over. We've seen it ourselves. Hey, we saw it with Chris Pronger in 2006 chris pronger mm-hmm. picked up that team put it on its back and took it to the stanley cup finals and um we saw it with mark messier and rolson and fernando pisani and yeah 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 i know but, everyone's but pronger was the he was the he was the lead horse and i don't sorry i don't want to diminish what you're saying or what 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 they accomplished right. like other players but it was chris pronger mm-hmm. and it was mark messier and it was wayne gretzky and like in and because it was a dynasty, there was lots of players who were actually fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's no one in the league as good as Connor McDavid. It's a travesty if he doesn't win the um 
the uh, <coughs> the Hart Trophy, which he probably won't. It's a travesty, and people should be embarrassed about that. But he will. He's going to win. He's going to win the Stanley Cup. He's going to win the Conn Smythe, and Leon Dreisel is going to be right by his side the whole way. That's my prediction. I'm I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. Well, they. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you talk about side by side uh, supernovas. I mean, the, the the best duo, super duo of players that they remind me of maybe the most is Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito with the 70 and 72 Boston Bruins, uh, a high-scoring team. And, uh, of course, Orr played a different position. But you said years and years ago, before McDavid even got drafted, that he reminded you as Bobby Orr playing center. And I've always kind of looked at him a little bit in that lens, and I've always thought, you know, that's a really good take. Like, he's just simply a superior skater to anyone else in the league, no matter what position he plays. He's going to dominate the game with his skating and his and his, uh, you know, his, his just ability to 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 make plays that'll pull you out of your seat. Yeah. And uh, Esposito was less the spectacular player, but man, was he ever productive! I mean, he just kept pouring pucks on net and in the net, and good playmaker and a horse, right, and a, a power center. And I, I don't mind the comparison between him and, and uh, Leon. Of course, Phil won six scoring championships, and Leon's only got one, so he's got some, some ways to go. But uh, in terms of their interaction on the team, of course, they played on the same devastating power play with the, uh, with the Bruins, and they played lots of time together at even strength. And uh, uh, when they were both on their game, Boston was some tough to beat. Oh. Yeah, they really were. <laughs> It's the fluidity of McDavid and the fluidity of Orr and then the quick hands, the brilliant hands, right? That, like, this is what they have in common. And I and I agree with you. Like, Phil Esposito was such a fantastic mm-hmm. hockey player. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the NHL history. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> just such a dominant force on the ice. And Leon is as well right now. I mean, Joe Thornton is the other guy that he often gets compared to. And very similar, you know, Yagers, um um, a very similar player. These great big guys who can puck protect and get off shots, hard shots on net. They're yeah. they're that's what you're looking for when you're drafting Golden. a center. Golden. And uh, thank goodness the Buffalo Sabers wanted uh, Reinhardt, Sam Reinhardt, not Leon Dreisaitl, because uh, he's the perfect running mate for Connor McDavid. Yeah. So. Yeah. Alrighty, Bruce, uh, you've got the game grades, I guess, eh? Uh, yes, I do. I haven't even started them yet, but i uh, kind of power through those and uh, do so happily. And then uh, I was on the schedule to do game six as well. But guess what? There ain't no game six. This series is over. Over. Yeah. <laughs> and the Oilers have taken care of the Flames. Not quite a sweep, but they did kind of sweep the last four games. After uh, after a very disconcerting, let's call it, opening yeah. game. And yeah. they got it with, you know, I mean, McDavid, obviously, but Drysaddle was actually in many ways the star of this series. And uh, guys like Zach Hyman scored in every single game a goal. Zach Hyman got six goals in, in this series after having five goals in his entire playoff career before he came to Edmonton. And Evander Kane scored five, you know, and they, they really were bringing the offense and they had a, a few key guys that were doing it. 
But you know what? Even the great dynasty orders of uh, of yester decade, yester century, uh, were uh, really five guys that were doing by far the bulk of it, and then the supporting cast would chip in here and there. And uh, and on this team, I think there's uh, there's five forwards that you can clearly single out as being the drivers and the producers. And so yeah, I'd like to give a shout out to Ryan McLeod actually, just to mm-hmm. do an extra little. Yeah, you know, um, it's kind of overlooked, mm-hmm. but they're throwing him out there in all situations consistently as a center. Mm-hmm. He's playing third line center and he's getting the job done. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's playing strong two way hockey. He's fast. He's getting more confident with the puck. He's mm-hmm. hitting people now and then. So he's mm-hmm. you know it's in such a crucial role, especially with Mc- Drysdale not able to play center defensively. Right. I think. Um, you know, yeah. they just, they don't want, they can't have that, have those hard minutes on his mm-hmm. body covering down low. So <clears throat> they needed someone to step up. They needed him, they needed Nuge to step up as the second line center and him as the third line center. They both did so, and they did it, they did it with the top marks. Nuge was, Nuge is just playing the best hockey of his career. And uh, so is McLeod. So good for both of those guys. Yeah, McLeod was all over the ice tonight, and they were commenting on him regularly in the uh, broadcast. But he played 14, almost 15 minutes in this game, uh, a little bit on the penalty kill, uh, none at all on the power play because the Oilers only had one, and they scored before the second unit would ever get, have gotten out there. Um, but So most of those were tough five-on-five five minutes. And other than getting stomped in the face-off dot to the tune of 11%, uh, McLeod held his own, I thought, and then some in, in this game. And according to uh, Natural Stat Trick, he had, this one jumped off the page at me, uh, 4-0 on high danger chances. Yeah. So the orders were, you know, doing, uh, and just pretty good shot shares. I mean, 10-2 in shots on goal. I mean, those are real good results. And what it means is that Calgary wasn't getting a whole lot against him. Whether our shots went in or not, you know, they, they weren't giving up anything. Alrighty, well, go St. Louis. Go St. Louis. Take it to seven, man. Now maybe with the extra couple of days off, they can uh, they can uh, decide that this would be a good time to sign Jay Woodcroft and staff to a three- or five-year deal as coaches. I think those guys have really made the case now, haven't they? They sure have. They sure you know, have. If they had they come in and pick the team up from a sort of losing position and a tough schedule to make the playoffs uh, and sort of make it in a walk in the end. But now they've won two playoff series and we're actually going to get a divisional banner out of this, whatever else happens this year. There's, there wasn't a conference format, it's divisional format. So it'll be a brand new orange banner at Rogers Place next year, at least one. You know, there's always been a little bit of a cloud over the McDavid era until mm-hmm. now, Bruce. Yep. And it's and it's related to a couple of things, but mm-hmm. both of them related to the playoffs, not making the playoffs, right? Not or, succeeding in the playoffs when you get yes. there, and McDavid himself not bringing his A game in the playoffs. Yeah. All of that's changed this year. They've mm-hmm. won these two series, and I'm not saying they're playing with like house money now, but it is it's changed the vibe around the franchise. I think considerably this this series victory, and. Um, you know, I just think it's been kind of unsettling 
you know, when the Oilers looked like they were going to lose to the Kings, there's like the typical comments, Big David can't get out of town, Edmonton fast enough, you know, mm-hmm. from this, that, and the other person. So that that narrative is a little harder to for people to hold, cling on to as much as they will want to cling on to it, and including some Oilers fans who don't like Ken Holland and the current management, they want to see them go. Um, but this is this was a huge win for the franchise in a lot of ways. They, they'll they'll mm-hmm. sell a lot of tickets yeah. in a fairly tough economy, yeah. and um, it's changed the yeah, vibe. Of I, I, sorry, I frequently mentioned Jay Woodcroft, but I mean this all goes on the record of Ken Holland as well. And I mean he's promised the team would be, you know, he wanted to bring him into the hunt every year and you know give him a chance to win every year. And this year they've. Uh, uh, they've seized that chance to win two series. At least one of the mid-season acquisitions, trade deadline acquisitions he's picked up has helped the team. And a number of the guys that that he's brought in as free agents, like uh, Cody Cece and Zach Hyman. Uh, of course, Vander Kane is mid-season, controversial signing, but in terms of, I'm just trying to judge him on what he's doing on the yeah. ice. Yeah, and, and I mean he's he brings stuff that the orders didn't have and likely needed, and so you know some of those bets have uh, have worked out, and they're not all going to, and they're never all going to. There's, you know even Julian Brisebois makes mistakes once in a while, and uh, uh, you know I mean and and so uh, there's I know there's naysayers out there that just don't like Holland or anything that he does and sort of that. You know, whatever the team accomplishes, it's because of what he inherited when he came here. And there's some truth in that. But, I mean, these supporting cast players that weren't here last year when the Oilers lost to Winnipeg and didn't have enough goals, didn't have enough offense to get through that series. Well, that same core group now has enough goals in the on the perimeter of the main guys to get 25 in five games against Calgary Flames, who are a very strong defensive team with a Vezina Trophy finalist in the net. So clearly they've, uh, you know, they've taken a big step forward. It's, it's kind of hard to doubt Holland. I'm, I'm going to suggest for a couple of reasons that the things he's preached, mm-hmm. he's done. And mm-hmm. the things he's done have now panned out. I mean, he's preached patience from word go. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't, he wasn't talking about whatever else, you know, heavy hockey or whatever else, you know, all the other themes. You just preach patience. And it, it worked with Mike Smith this year, being patient with Smith, when no, when everyone else had lost patience. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also preached continuity and um, bringing in experienced players. He's done all those things, and it's working out. You know, it's working out pretty well. Now, you know, Shirelli, for all the things he got wrong, did lay the groundwork with some great draft picks. I mean, McLeod, Yamamoto, Evan Bouchard. Yes, Apuliarvi. These players all contributed to this win tonight. Mm-hmm. Now, some of them were high picks, right? But um, you know, they, they still have to make the right high. You can get the wrong high pick. You can make. You can get that wrong. Teams all often do. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> a lot was here when he came, but he's he's the things that uh, Holland values. Mm-hmm. I think of demonstrably led to the Oilers being a better team, especially in the playoffs. So I give him credit for that. Yeah, well, patience with the young players. I mean, every guy that you mentioned there, Yamamoto, Pogliarvi, Bouchard, uh, McLeod, you know, these are guys that, you know, they, they, they just weren't overnight successes. They didn't just come in and 
take the lead lead by storm like some of the very high first round picks and they've uh, uh i guess you know paul yarvi does fall in that category and they've needed to be patient with him and we'll see whether how that turns out in the long term but the fact is they do have uh uh, at least part of the supporting cast are young players that they drafted and developed within the organization. And even as Ken Holland, I don't think drafted any of those guys that I just named. He was part of the development um, process for all of them. And you can disagree. I mean, people last year were saying Evan Bouchard should be in there every game. And maybe they were right. But Evan Bouchard over the time has blossomed and really started to come into his own. I thought he was splendid in this game, frankly. He scored a nice goal to tie it at 4-4. Yeah. Big goal. Bruce, let's leave it there for tonight. Thanks for talking. All right. And thanks for uh, listening, everyone. And uh, we'll be back for podcasting in the Western Conference Finals. <coughs> Yeah, it's hey a special Please shout out to amazing. <laughs> so people have been listening to this podcast, Bruce. I yes. think from the start, and a special shout out to those uh, members of the faithful, because um, you know many people have been reading the cult of hockey since the start, and um, it's been a long time coming. This kind of playoff success, it's a long and dreadful decade of darkness, very difficult to endure. <clears throat> But we did it. We were there grading every darn game and <laughs> evaluating every move. And uh, it's just nice to be here where we are. Yeah, well, we've graded every single game since I've been with the cult. We haven't missed one. And yeah. that's, some years it's been 48 or 56 or 71 or whatever. But uh, uh, most years, 82. And then lately, we've even got a few bonus playoff games. And uh that's a better part of a thousand games over just my time and more than during yours. So yeah. that's, you know, that's a lot of writing. It's a lot of reading. And, and I share your appreciation of the, of the readership and the viewer listenership of our podcast as well. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the cult of hockey podcast. <laughs>